This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Director, actress, writer, producer, and editor Isabel Sandoval is a trans-Filipina filmmaking auteur who made history with her third feature film, Lingua Franca, at the 2019 Venice International Film Festival. It is the first film directed by and starring a trans woman of color to ever screen in competition. Lingua Franca went on to be nominated for the 2021 Film Independent John Cassavetes Award, which is a huge, huge deal and says a lot about her talent and what she can do and pull off on screen. Sandoval made her directorial debut with the noir-styled Senorita, which had its world premiere in competition at the Lorcano Film Festival and earned her the Emerging Director Award at the Asian American International Film Festival. Her second feature as director was the Ferdinand Marcos-era non-drama Apparition, which won the Lotus Audience Award at the Deauville Asian Film Festival. Now, her most recent endeavor is television. She recently directed the penultimate episode of the critically acclaimed FX limited series Under the Banner of Heaven, which is based on the book by John Krakauer and premiered on Hulu on April 28, 2022. Now, if you looked on her Twitter, she has a tweet where she talks about seeing her name on a ballot for best director. Now, that is a huge, huge, huge deal. And the network is really pushing for Isabel to have this nomination. And I don't think they're going to have to do much pushing because the episode, the show is good overall, but her episode has something special. Uh, it has her style mixed in with the storytelling that I really think is going to get the Emmy Academy on board with that nomination. Now, I spoke to Isabel two, two or three years ago, three years ago, when Lingua Franca came out. And she's a multi-talented director that is still as confident and earnest uh, and candid about her talents and abilities. And that's why I think you're really going to enjoy this episode of the Scene to Scene podcast, because Sandoval and I discuss what it means to be an auteur filmmaker and what it was like for her to work on Under the Banner of Heaven with Andrew Garfield. And lastly, how being a trans woman of color is a political statement in Hollywood. And with that said, let's get into it. Uh, Isabel Sandoval, thank you for coming to the Scene to Scene podcast at deadline um so much has happened in your career since we last spoke two years ago when lingua franca dropped and i'm just curious to know how you're taking it all in it's definitely been a wild surreal roller coaster ride for me since lingua franca came out i remember speaking to you back then almost two years ago and mm -hmm. But I'm so thrilled and grateful for the opportunities that I've had, um, most especially getting a chance to direct an episode of mm -hmm. Under the Banner of Heaven. Mm -hmm. And 
how did you, how did it feel to go from film to television? Is there any noticeable differences that sort of caught you off guard when directing a film as opposed to directing, directing television? I would say the biggest um, difference for me moving from independent filmmaking, um, mm. having made three independent features that it also had had in producing to episodic directing mm. is that, and especially when you're not directing a pilot is mm. as an independent filmmaker slash auteur, you know, the film is really a product of your vision. Mm. In an ideal situation, which I've had, I had creative control and autonomy mm -hmm. over every creative aspect of the mm -hmm. filmmaking from of course the writing and the direction the visual sensibility the editing mm -hmm. whereas in episodic directing the tone and the visual language and the rhythm is set mm -hmm. by the pilot director and in this case it's david mckenzie and um, so i guess the challenge is really striking that you know delicate balance of having your episode still feel of a piece mm -hmm. with a series as a whole mm -hmm. and also kind of finding those um opportunities to infuse your episode with touches and flourishes um, that are distinctly and idiosyncratically mm -hmm. on um and i'm that's why i'm so so glad that not only did i get the chance to direct banner but i got this episode because it's episode six revelation right before right. the finale because it's the most introspective it's the most haunting and quietly heartbreaking mm -hmm. of the entire series this is the episode where um three of the characters including jeb Pyrie, andrew garfield right. um ron lafferty played by sam worthington and brenda lafferty mm -hmm. played it played by Daisy Edgar Jones, find themselves at a crossroads when it comes mm. to their faith. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, whenever I find those moments where characters are just quietly weeping and mm. contemplating their right. destiny, like that's my shtick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that we have, you know, a lot of that in, in this episode, but it also, I think, reaches a cathartic uh, crescendo um, mm. in the final scene with Jeb Pyre in the car. Now, before I get into talking more about the banner uh, yeah. under the banner of heaven, I wanted to ask some sort of intimate questions because I've always been curious, you know, apparition, um, lingua franca, Shangri-La. I'm always I'm always curious to know how you sort of crafted your own sense of style and storytelling. Um, you have a style that is very specifically you. And that's why in the, in the episode, you know, and, you know, I've talked with folks about it. It's like, we can, we can see those elements of Isabel Sandoval from what we've seen before, wow. um, uh, in your work. And I've just, you know, and you're in your time sort of directing and, and creating your own stuff. How did you craft your own style coming from, you know, having your inspirations, but also saying, this yeah. is what I'm choosing to do. Yes. Um, you know, I didn't go to film school. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a traditional film background. My film school was really, you know, getting hold of and watching as many masterworks of world cinema, you mm -hmm. know, by different auteurs. During my formative years as a cinephile, like high school mm -hmm. and college, and, you know, among the directors that influenced me the most are the likes of Wong Kar Wai, Rainer Werner mm -hmm. Fassbinder, 
Michael Haneke, Chantal Ackerman. And so, in my first two features in Newton Apparition, I feel like I was more consciously and intentionally like making homages mm-hmm. or references um, to certain elements of style mm-hmm. by these auteurs. And in between my second and feature apparition and lingua franca that was the time when I transitioned you know I had my Mm. transition and I guess you know in that in the interim as I was becoming more comfortable in my own skin Mm. I was also becoming more comfortable in my own emerging sensibility Mm. and aesthetic Mm -hmm. as an artist and as a filmmaker and when I made lingua franca I wasn't necessarily deliberately you know and or by design kind of making nods to these directors um i approached the making of lingua franca shooting it um intuitively you know mm-hmm. what's natural and organic from scene to scene mm-hmm. moment to moment and it wasn't until after i put together a fine cut of lingua franca and mm-hmm. i started showing it to friends who are like cinephiles mm-hmm. or or programmers and they were pointing out to me oh this this scene this moment feels like it's from in the mood for love. And mm. it just, you know, like fascinates me because I wasn't thinking of those inspirations mm. when I was shooting Lingo Franca, but, you know, you end up essentially absorbing and embracing, right. and assimilating um, the, the filmmaking that has touched you or moved you or really made an impression in you deeply and profoundly that it becomes part of your DNA as a filmmaker, right. but, because you are yourself as an individual, mm. you also bring into your art your own mm. history and your predilections and tastes that inevitably transform and mutate that influence mm-hmm. into something that's distinctly and singularly me. Mm-hmm. And when you you talk about, or rather you've said the word auteur a lot. And I'm curious to know what is your own personal definition of what that means for you? Um, Because you get your inspiration from some of the greatest auteurs um, to exist. And what does that mean for Isabel Sandoval who is sort of creating and building uh, your own sort of brand and sense of style and personality in the Hollywood landscape? Um, yeah, so just wanted to hear more about that. I, 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 I've never, I always wanted to ask you about it, but I'm like, Twitter is not the place to have that conversation. <laughs> too many other people, too many other ideas. I don't care about anyone else. I just want to yeah. know what you think. You know, having made three independent features where I was really, you know, kind of the architect of mm. the central idea and the conception mm. of it, you know, from the development and during production, of course, um, you know, the writing, the, the look of the, of the film, the pacing, um, mm. and the most, I think, vital and um, important creative elements mm. uh, that go into um, the making of the film. I called myself on a tour for that reason and that I'm the, the kind of the chief uh, designer and conceptual mm-hmm. and architect mm-hmm. of the film from the start until it becomes the finished film. Right. But there's also a political, you know, connotation underpinning to it, being the person I am, you know, in in the American film industry. Being right, right, right. And an immigrant. It's some, you know, the auteur um 
label as something that I own because you know, I, th I think it's very important for us as minority artists and filmmakers to let people know that the film that we made is, you know, a product of mm -hmm. our own imagination, mm -hmm. our tenacity, mm -hmm. and also our commitment because mm -hmm. it's a lot more challenging and, and complicated and difficult to make and finish a film like that, um, like say Lingua Franca. Mm -hmm being the person I am in the industry. And there's also a certain pride, you know, that I wear that label with. Mm -hmm. And I hope, you know, it's also something that I want to show to people, to aspiring um, and emerging artists that if I can do it, then so can you. Right, right. That's a really, um, that's a really interesting answer to hear about the political aspect of what it means to be someone who is called an orator. And when I think, and it's so correct, because when I think about the people that you mentioned, and when I when I think about some of my favorite orators, a lot of their work is political, um, not just romantic or um, sensual or anything like that. There is sort of a, a political freedom there um, that comes with the work. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I just also want to add that because when we think of a tour, it's, you know, when we imagine and visualize that person, it's almost always a cisgender white male. I mean, you have your Scorseses, you have your Tarantinos, the Paul Thomas Andersons, and I think it's mm -hmm. important for people to realize that that's not the only type of a tour mm -hmm. there is, you know, and there are a lot of, you know, women, non-binary queer filmmakers, um, filmmakers of color that are making, you know, work that's just as thrilling and creatively ambitious and risky that we might just not have heard of. Right. I can, you know, I, I know that that term is, you know, not used very much for, for white women. So I can't even imagine what it would be like for folks of color who are, you know, out here sort of directing this personal, personally driven work. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that, that response. And I can't wait for people to read that and understand that. And one of the things I also noticed is I, cause I, when I become fixated on directors or creators and writers, I really start to break down things that um, I feel are important to them. And I always like to ask this, but your, your work is always specifically very, very character driven. There is an aesthetic there. There is, you know, you have uh, some stylistic things that are your own, but it's always people who are sort of at the center of the narrative. And what I like that you do is you present the problem up front and we get to see how people deal with it. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> is that, uh, you know, the, is that why you like to create the type of narratives you do? And is that also what attracted you to this episode of Under the Banner of Heaven? Because it's, 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 it's not the situation, but it's how the characters are dealing with it, yeah. um, that's most important. So I wanted to hear, hear a little bit about that. Certainly, um, you know, in my own work, uh, it's very character driven. And also, you know, my characters do not, the characters that I write at least do not exist in a vacuum. They mm -hmm. always exist in a clearly defined, you know, milieu or setting mm -hmm. um, with the sociopolitical and cultural forces. Mm -hmm. um, and so, 
my characters, you know, in their thought and behavior and their yearnings and their frustrations are very much affected and influenced by the broader and the bigger, um, these bigger sociopolitical forces. Um, in Lingo Franca, it's very obvious. Um, it's, you know, Olivia, this Filipino trans woman who's trying to get papers in an environment, you know, it's Trump's American environment mm -hmm. where there's a lot of, you know, paranoia and anxiety and oppression mm -hmm. about not only being trans, you know, a trans woman of color, but also an undocumented immigrant. And I think that's also very much the same case in in Banner. Um, mm. Not only, I mean, a lot of the characters are white men, but they're also these female characters mm. who find themselves, you know, subjugated and oppressed in this very patri patriarchal institution. Mm. And that's also one of the themes that I have been drawn to um, right. a number of times in mm. in my work. Uh, and um, besides that. You know, although I virtually knew nothing about you know Mormonism before mm. coming on board Banner, I, I haven't even seen the Book of Mormon. Right. <laughs> quite honest, I know it's such a pop culture juggernaut for yeah, a yeah. time, yeah. But you know what allowed me to get into uh, the central crisis, you know, that Jeb Pyrie and Garfield experiences here and his increasing ambivalence. Mm -hmm. and you know internal conflict about his faith was having grown up you know catholic in the philippines which is a very conservative mm -hmm. country it's the only predominantly catholic country in asia at 95% filipinos wow. catholic and you know i actually went to filipino catholic schools from mm -hmm. kindergarten to college and just as i was i grew older and I realized that I was queer and I just came to learn more about the history of the Catholic Church and Catholicism mm -hmm. and how in the Middle Ages, it's been wielded as an instrument right. to colonize you mm -hmm. know, uh, countries and turn them into like Spanish um, settlements and also just you know, the witch hunts, the atrocities right. and, and the sexual abuses you know, mm -hmm. that were committed. I, and basically the erasure of culture. Exactly. Um, you know, the, not e the, e the elimination yeah. of independent culture exactly. um, in order to create this sort of religious collective. Exactly. And I just became, you know, a more critical thinker, you know, mm. that challenged these um, notions of what it, what it is to, you know, to live and be moral. And, you know, I think, one key theme here and under the banner of happening is how sometimes religion can get in the way of morality. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In Lingua Franca, for example, people can use these, these sort of essences of power to dangle over 
the marginalized as a carrot and say, well, this is what you want, but you have to do this or you have to do that. Yeah. And um, I think that that, it, well, the book itself makes a really huge statement about the intersections of sort of religion and politics and sort of the, you know, examining the human human psyche around those entities, but you really, there's also a sort of, maybe this is kind of cryptic to say, or kind of, you know, but there's a sense of romance there too. Mm -hmm. And romance isn't always like two people kissing. Sometimes it's atmosphere. Sometimes it's just the way people are looking at themselves in the mirror, a sort of, you know, exploring introspection. So how did you sort of weave that into not only what we hear, but like what we see from, you know, Andrew Garfield and Sam Worthington and, and, yeah. and sort of working with them yeah. to sort of execute your vision. Yeah, certainly. I think, you know, besides kind of my own, um, you know, predilection for sensuality and my work, you know, I've always also been about the interiority of characters and how mm-hmm. you kind of manifest and express that, you know, um, cinematically and here the likes of Jeb Pyrie and Ron Lafferty are at their most let's say in you know in interior mm. and, and introspective and for me working with Andrew and Sam who have very different but equally you know fascinating like processes and methods mm-hmm. of getting into character and going about their scenes what I did especially being an episodic director, I mean, I'm directing them for the sixth episode. Mm. They have a much longer and more intimate, you know, familiarity mm. and knowledge of the characters. I mean, they've, right. ha- they've inhabited these characters for five episodes. Mm. And I wanted to be able to support, you know, their own processes as actors mm. that would allow them to be truly present and in the moment um, mm. and be in touch with how their characters would feel so that they can be, com- be totally open and inhibited and vulnerable. Mm. And I'd like to think that that's the kind of perf- performance that I was able to get from Andrew and Sam is that you know I allowed them the space and room to just sit with the emotions of the characters and be real and genuine. Mm that way and essentially getting out of their way you know right right thing and i'm 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 also curious that as a director as a trans woman of color who who dares to call themselves or auteur have you experienced any um what's the right word um gatekeeping or Mm. barriers to creating how you know whatever you define as success in this industry have there been any noticeable barriers to that um that you would feel comfortable discussing you know i don't need specifics or anything oh, but i'm curious to hear yeah um to be quite honest and i guess perhaps i'm you know fortunate in that the people that i work with you know my agents are at caa or you know, either women or mm. queer um, 
or an an Asian mm. and Banner is of course a show run by Academy Award winning screenwriter Dustin Lance Black, mm-hmm. who's gay. You know, I've I've had support uh, to be able to really pursue my vision creatively and artistically um, mm-hmm. freely. Um, certainly with Banner, you know, coming on board the show at first, I was quite you know, intimidated and daunted, mm. to be honest, because it's my first ever right. TV project and I'm already working with the likes of, my God, Dustin Lance Black, Ron mm. Howard, Andrew right. Garfield, you know, um, Wyatt Russell, but Lance especially has nothing, has been nothing but completely supportive um, mm. since day one. And not only has it been, you know, like my showrunner, but I felt that in a way he's become a mentor mm-hmm. um, and a friend. Um, and yeah, I, and I'm sure I will encounter, you know, I'll, I'll have experiences of gatekeeping, um, as you mentioned, um, in the industry, but, you know, and embracing myself for that. But right. I also feel like that I have enough of a support system um, in the industry uh, with my managers, with the collaborators that mm. I have worked with, um, with my agents that will allow me to power through and barrel through and continue to break bi- barriers and inspire more aspiring artists, you know, to, to get our foot in the door in the industry and um, do something exciting. So, so, before we wrap up, talk to me about what you're working on now. What what are we going to see from you uh, coming up next? Yes. I'm in between um, two TV shows um, mm. that I'm wow. working right now. I, I'm here in New York for the weekend, uh, but I was in Atlanta for the last two months mm-hmm. uh, to do two episodes of a new TV show that's coming out in the fall, and then I'm doing another one in late summer. Mm. I'm also currently developing my fourth feature film called Tropical Gothic and we have a producer attached mm. I'm very excited about. They've actually produced um, an Academy Award, a uh, Best Picture Oscar winner in the last 15 years or so. And um, I'm so excited to work with them because they completely are behind me, you know, mm-hmm. to execute my vision without any compromise or inhibition. And uh, I hope to shoot that by the beginning of next year and hopefully it'll premiere um, in the fall, maybe in Venice, where my last two works also had the world premiere. Is Did you drop a trailer for Gothic? I thought. Um, I, I dropped like a teaser of an artwork, but it hasn't been shot yet. Um, okay, okay. Yeah. So you did drop something. I was like, am I crazy? I thought <laughs> you said you dropped something. And yeah, you did drop that. And I, you know, I am a really a big fan of your work. And it's so good and really interesting to hear how things have sort of evolved 24 months after we spoke, you know, the first time. And I am, you know, proud of what you've accomplished um, and sort of the political stance that that you take in in this industry where, you know, there are so few queer names that people drop and there need to be more of them. Mm 
Yes. Um, and there needs to be more of them creating the kind of independent work that they want to create as opposed to, you know, whatever. Um, so uh, is there anyone else, is there anyone out there who you want to sort of, sort of name drop and uplift um, someone who sort of deserves a platform and we should know who they are? Certainly, um, Jane Schoenbrunn, who mm -hmm. has, you know, a, a recent acclaimed independent film, We're All Going to the World's Fair. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw that recently. Mm -hmm. And experimental. Um, there is also um, Rain Valdez, who is a Philippine-American mm -hmm. um, writer and actress and producer. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Eva Rain, who's uh, an upcoming actress and who's the lead. Um, and you were, yeah. Uh, the protagonist in Billy Porter's mm -hmm. um, upcoming upcoming film. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's gonna be so exciting! I, you are making some really exciting moves. I'm hoping to go to Venice this year for the first time. We'll see what uh, what deadline thinks of that. But uh, I was hoping to go, but then I, I'll be working hopefully <laughs> next year with, uh, uh, with a new movie. Right. You'll be going with a, with a film. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, you were one of the first people who gave me a very good impression of Venice. So I've always wanted to go since then, as yes. you've probably read about my experience at Cannes. Yes. So I'm definitely looking, uh, looking forward to trying out something different, but thank you so much for coming on the scene to scene podcast. It was really lovely to pick your brain, you know, and understand, because before we talked about Lingua Franca and the work, but now we, we got a chance to talk about the process and that's what I was looking looking forward yeah. to. But Isabel, keep, keep running, keep <laughs> doing your thing, keep uplifting others, keep, you, you know, being a, a pillar, you know, of the community. I, I appreciate you. <laughs> it's always a delight and a pleasure to, to speak with you. It's same. And, you know, I always love your, your questions on Twitter. They're really interesting and they get people thinking. Yeah. Um, sometimes people fight, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always do over film. And my so, championship was sensual cinema. <laughs> yeah, sensual, queen of sensual cinema. Queen right. oh Artur of sensual cinema. Um, <laughs> I will, uh, I can't wait for people to hear, to hear this and to, to hear your process. Cause I know it's something you're very secretive about. So thank you for sharing with me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Take care. Take care, Valerie.